بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين in Surah Ashura uh, we find a beautiful ayah in which Allah mentions the greatest of the greatest messengers in which Allah says شرع لكم من الدين ما وصى به نوحا والذي أوحينا إليك وما وصينا به إبراهيم وموسى وعيسى أن أقيم الدين ولا تتفرقوا فيه there are, two, there are two things mentioned specifically, and what's incredible about this ayah, when you look at who is being referred to, these are the, uh, the ulul azm, these are the, the greatest of the greatest messengers, which Allah references at the end of Surah Al-Ahqaf, when Allah tells Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَاصْبِرْ كَمَا صَبْرَ أُلُلُ الْعَزْمِ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ وَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلْ لَهُمْ In this ayah, Allah mentions those other greatest messengers by name. Uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we know, is at the, the, the top of the, the species of mankind in terms of rank, as he mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we have these other four messengers in addition to him to round out the number two uh, to five. And Allah mentions the other four by name in this ayah. Allah mentions, <coughs> excuse me, Allah mentions Prophet Nuh, Prophet Noah alayhi salam. Allah mentions Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, Prophet Abraham, Prophet Moses alayhi salam, Prophet Musa, and then Prophet Isa alayhi salam. Allah mentions uh, these four prophets by name, and Prophet Muhammad is, is directly referred to in the ayah, شَرْعَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الدِّينِ مَا وَصَى بِهِ نُوحًا وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ One interesting thing to note about, uh, about this part of the ayah, before I get to what I, what I want to get to briefly, inshaAllah, it's interesting that the order that's mentioned, Allah refers to Prophet Nuh first, the first messenger, alayhi salam, and then Allah moves from that, وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ So instead of mentioning Prophet Nuh, and then Prophet Ibrahim, and then Prophet Musa, and then Prophet Isa, and then Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's just food for thought, just something that's interesting to note. Instead of going in chronological order in that manner, Allah mentions Prophet Nuh, and then Allah mentions you, referring to the Prophet, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ وَمَا وَصَيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى And then this is what I want to get to briefly, uh, but importantly, أَنْ أَقِيمُ الدِّينَ وَلَا تَتَفَرَّقُوا There are two key things mentioned, and Allah is mentioning that these two key concepts, they're two sides of the same exact coin, and this coin, so to speak, was consistent from the first messenger to the last, from the beginning to the end. To establish the deen, an deen. To establish the deen, wala And to not become divided therein, to split into different factions. Now, regarding the latter point, just to clarify something uh, specifically, someone may read this, they, they may come across this ayah and think, Okay, so if this ayah clearly commands to establish the deen on one hand and then on the other hand to not become divided therein, to not separate into different groups and factions therein, then why is it that we have any difference of opinion within Islam? And the reality is that's not, that is not what's being referred to here. We have different valid opinions regarding so many different things. And what's really beautiful about it from just from a standpoint of appreciating the incredible breadth, the width, the depth of, of our tradition of Islamic scholarship over a thousand years, over the centuries upon centuries, is you have many different examples where 
The same ayah is being used, but you have different opinions. The same exact hadith is being used, but from that same source you have different opinions, and they're different valid opinions, and they're coming from somewhere. And if you go back to the best generation of Muslims themselves, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, even among them they had different opinions. The most famous example is probably when the Prophet told the Sahaba to not pray Asr until you get to Banu Quraida. You ended up having two different understandings of the same exact statement of the Prophet, and they're living with the Prophet. They had just gone through battle with the Prophet, and that wasn't the first time they had gone through battle with the Prophet. That was immediately after the Battle of the Trench, and that's why they went to Banu Quraida. Because in the heat of the moment, when there was so much going on, and there was so much pressure, and there was so much incredible difficulty facing the Muslims externally, that was enough. That's why they had to resort to this, this foreign concept to them of digging that trench. Because they didn't know how they were going to, with their, with their numbers, in comparison to what they had to face, the numbers they had were much, much smaller. So Sulaiman al-Farisi, he offered the suggestion to the Prophet ﷺ that, you know, in, in Persia, this would, in these types of situations, sometimes this is what we would do. So the Prophet agreed with it, the group they agreed with it, so that's what they, that's what they resorted to. So they had this huge pressure externally, and then on top of that, internally, Banu Quraida flipped against them. In the worst possible circumstances, treason is bad enough. Treason within those circumstances is a million times worse. And it's against the Prophet, and it's against the companions. So after, after that month-long siege, Quraysh, they turn away, and you know the other tribes who had ganged up against them, they turn away. Then the Prophet, he commands them, no, 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 we need to take care of this now. So what was the understanding? One understanding was more literal what the Prophet literally said, even if we miss Asr prayer, we're not praying until we get there. The Prophet literally commanded, do not pray Asr until you get to Banu Quraida. So you have this clear statement from the Prophet, a literal understanding. But another group, they looked, they analyzed the situation and they said, well, if we were to go with that literal understanding, then we're going to miss the prayer. So what we're going to do, we're going to go with what we think was intended by the Prophet ﷺ. What he, what he meant was, what we think he meant was to hurry up and go, go quickly. And then he mentioned that, but the Prophet wouldn't want us to miss the prayer. So another group, they prayed also within the window of time. Now here's what's beautiful about this. You had different understandings from the, the same exact statement of the Prophet in the time of the Prophet and they're interacting with the Prophet ﷺ. The same statement, different understandings. Point number one, they didn't fight each other. They didn't fight each other. It didn't turn into a sparring match. It didn't turn into something any more than a valid difference of opinion. A valid difference in understanding, in interpretation. One understood it literally that's valid. One understood it figuratively. That's valid. And how do we know both of them are valid? How did the Prophet respond, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he arrived there? They explained to him what happened, and that was it. the The Prophet approved of both. There was no criticism for one group. There was no criticism for another. The Prophet understood where each group was coming from. Each group was sincere. They were each coming from somewhere. It was valid. If you take the the, the ayah of wudu in Surah Al-Ma'idah. <clears throat> from this ayah, you have different opinions. The same exact ayah, even if you take the, the same recitation, the same words, the same letters, you have different opinions coming from it. Right? So the, 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 the vastness in our tradition is beautiful. What are the two key things mentioned from the first messenger to the last? 
and aqimuddin to establish the deen wala tatafarraqu fi and don't become divided into different groups and then you end up fighting each other and you know one group says that we're on the truth and you're not so then they go and attack them and kill them and then the other one responds and then you have when you look in islamic history you have some some horrible examples of this we ask Allah to protect us from this i'll conclude with one example one specific <laughs> example that's worth looking into for all of us when you look at Al-Andalus, right, Andalusia, you look at Muslim Spain and you look at Cordoba and you look at the incredible advancements from a dunya perspective, scientifically speaking, and there are many benefits from there that are still relied on today or directly used today from that time, either directly or indirectly, even from a deen perspective, you have Tafsir Al-Qurtubi. That's coming from Muslim Spain, Cordoba, right? It's coming from Muslim Spain. This incredible jewel of the ummah, what happened? How is it that we lost Muslim Spain? How is it that we lost Andalusia? When you look into the history, it's very sad, it's very tragic, but there's also a silver lining that we can learn from it. What happens when Muslims turn away from these concepts? And Aqimuddin wa la especially the latter. Within Muslim Spain, it, was, it didn't happen in a vacuum that you have the Reconquista, you have the Spanish Inquisition. That didn't happen within itself. That, that didn't just happen one day. It didn't happen within a vacuum. It was not random. It was not happenstance. What was the prerequisite for that? What happened before that? There was deep division among Muslims within Muslim Spain. And you had different city-states. You had, you had different emirates. And they were fighting each other. And they were killing each other. They were deeply divided. And you had Muslims siding with Christians saying, Hey, let's ally and go fight these Muslims over here. So things deeply broke down internally. This is a good example, but at the same time a bad example of this is what we're being commanded. Don't fall into this. And then what ends up happening? Then you have the Spanish Inquisition. Then you have Muslims being slaughtered left and right. You have Jews being slaughtered left and right. You have just horrible atrocities happening, which we definitely can't get into now because of time and also because it's too early to, to visit those horrible things. We ask Allah to, to help us to do what we can to maintain the unity of our community, to maintain the fabric of our community. What are the two key things mentioned? To establish the core of the deen, to establish the five pillars, for example, to have good character, to be generous, to be compassionate, to have rahmah, to love each other for the sake of Allah. The Prophet taught us we're not going to Jannah unless we love each other. Whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, we have to love each other for the sake of Allah. This is, these are the general parameters. Extreme cases are dealt with as extreme cases, as exceptions, but the norm has to be that we love each other, that we have, we have that breadth within our chests and hearts to love each other for the sake of Allah. You have different interpretations, different opinions on many different things. But is it going to resort into anything more than perhaps an academic discussion, perhaps a valid difference of opinion? regarding one thing or another. We ask Allah to help us to establish our deen as best we can, and we ask Allah to protect us from deep division, from, from, from breaking off into, into different factions and fighting each other. We seek Allah's refuge from that. We ask Allah to protect us. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to protect our youth, and we ask Allah to help them to be far better than us. Amin Rabbil Alameen wa akhiru